from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. First, I want to wish everyone a happy Easter Sunday. I hope the weather is great where you are and you are able to spend time with family and friends. I also want to wish everyone a happy Passover. It's a wonderful time of the year. And on this episode of Newt's World, I want to focus on the meaning of Easter, the gospel, the history, and how it's relevant to our lives today. And I'm really pleased to welcome my guest, Father Enrique Salvo, the rector of St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City. Father Salvo, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Mr. Gingrich. It's an honor and happy Easter to everyone. Well, Calista, my wife, was pointing out to me that this is probably, from the standpoint of the church, the busiest single week of the year. So I'm doubly grateful that you would take a little bit of time in the middle of this week to share with us. But what's your week been like? You have a wonderful church, a huge number of both local members and guests who come from all over the world. How's your week been? It's been so beautiful. We're very grateful because, you know, after COVID and all the shutdowns and everything, it's great to have so many people back in the cathedrals. It's been such a beautiful week, and it's so exciting, first of all, to welcome so many people back to the cathedral, especially visitors from all over the world. And it's beautiful, you know, to see people from so many nationalities and cultures and so many people that visit New York City and then come to the cathedral and this place that's everyone's home, and just to see how 
Jesus came to save the entire world, and we're all here gathered in this cathedral and so many churches of the world celebrating this. This is my first year as director. I started just over five months ago. So this is my first Holy Week in the cathedral, and it's definitely a very exciting place to be. I was going to say, you also have the great, I guess, opportunity and challenge that you have in Cardinal Dolan, one of the greatest and most dynamic leaders in the church. I've always thought there must be something to work near him. Definitely. It's a huge inspiration for my priesthood. And it's beautiful to see him with the people, his joy, his enthusiasm for the priesthood, for the church is all day. It's not just like when he comes to the Mass. He's always like that. And it's so inspiring to see that he deals with the good and the bad and the problems that we deal with in life and the church and so on. But it's good that he always has his hope and it's great to see that. And by the way, he sends his best and his many blessings to everyone. He's always very good, both to Callista and to me. He's given her Ellis the Elephant Children series to, I think, his nieces and nephews. And he's used our movie, Nine Days to Change the World, about Pope John Paul II. He's used it in classes. So we feel very close to the Cardinal. He's a person who loves life. I mean, he just exudes how much he loves life. But let's talk a little bit about the most important week in the year from the standpoint of the church, the week in which everything is either real and we are offered salvation, or it's not. And therefore, the worship and the tradition and the importance of Easter week, I think, cannot be overstated. Can you walk us through, starting with Ash Wednesday and the whole tradition that begins on that date up through Lent? Yes. So Ash Wednesday, of course, is the beginning of the Lenten season, and it's the beginning of the time of preparation that is Lent. It's a time not only to prepare for Holy Week, for the Triduum, to be ready for Easter, but it's also a beautiful time for us to come closer to our Lord and that it becomes something new in our lives. So it's a time during Lent in which we pray more, we give alms, and we fast, which of course includes looking at those things in our life that can add up, that become unhealthy or become in some way or another distracting to our relationship with God and others. And it's a good time for us to ask God to help us heal from. So it's a beautiful time, not only to prepare for Easter, but also just to create new habits in our spiritual life that will always help us. And the ideal is that every Lent we build up throughout our life. And so, of course, we begin Ash Wednesday with the ashes, which, of course, is an ancient sign of penance. Even in the Old Testament, we see when they would put ashes in their face as a sign of repentance. So that's one of the reasons of the ashes. But it's also a beautiful reminder when we hear the prayer that is said on Ash Wednesday as we are receiving the ashes, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. Now, if we think about it, that's not the nicest thing that the church is telling the people, but it's actually a very beautiful thing because it's a reminder that, yes, at the end of the day, we are dust and to dust we shall return. But we remember that our soul was created for all of eternity. 
And therefore, of course, we appreciate this life and we see the gift that it is every day. And we try our best to make use of this gift that God has given us. But it's also very important for us to remember that there's more to it. This isn't it. And we have to always have our focus on heaven. And we always have to have our focus on the eternal life that Jesus Christ has come and promised us and gained for us. So when we begin Ash Wednesday through that prayer, it's a reminder that whatever has happened in our lives that has made us perhaps too attached to the things of the world, including the anxieties, the distractions, all the busyness, everything, it's a reminder to focus back to heaven and to focus back on what really matters in the big picture of it all. So Lent is a time in which we do that. And the more we live it through an increase in prayer and fasting and almsgiving, which is the traditional Lenten formula, we will come to that place in which we are closer to God and our eyes fixed back into heaven. So we live the Lenten season until, of course, we have Palm Sunday. And before we get to the Tritium, where we start Holy Week, And Palm Sunday is, of course, we receive this from the gospel when Jesus entered triumphantly into Jerusalem, when he was at that moment welcomed from all of his followers, from his disciples. Remember that all of these people had gathered from all over for the feasts of the Passover, and they were welcoming him with branches as he came in in the donkey. And the palms have always, especially in ancient times, signified victory and triumph. To this day, if we see even in the images of the martyrs, they always carry palm branches showing their victory by entering heaven. But then, of course, as we begin the liturgy of Palm Sunday, that begins in such a triumphant way, in such a celebratory way, we very quickly begin to read the Passion, which reminds us that he enters triumphantly into Jerusalem. But before the glory of his resurrection, he's going to go through his Passion. And it's a reminder that this week we're going to walk with him during his most difficult moments before we come to the resurrection of Easter. I mean, one of the things that strikes me, because the entry into Jerusalem shows up in all four Gospels. And I think part of what makes Christianity so compelling is that this is clearly a historic event. This is not some mythology. that They saw him do this. They saw the crowd respond to him. I suspect the very power of the popular response to Christ's entry is part of what drives the traditional establishment to want to get him killed, because he suddenly is clearly more popular and more powerful than they are. Exactly. They were seeing that. They were seeing the fact that everyone was also going to Bethany. He had resurrected Lazarus from the dead. And Bethany is only a few kilometers from Jerusalem. People were flocking there as well. He was being accepted. People were realizing that this was truly the Messiah. And of course, that was what infuriated those that ended up persecuting him.
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. And on Holy Thursday, I think you have what's clearly a historic reality that he did have dinner with the apostles. He did wash their feet, something which I believe the Pope is going to a prison to wash the feet of prisoners again, which is something that Pope Francis has done pretty routinely as a reminder of serving all of us, no matter how poor and no matter how difficult. It is at this point in the Last Supper that Christ really begins what is now a 2,200-year tradition worldwide by creating and establishing the Eucharist when he says, this is my body, this is my blood, which is phenomenal in that every priest represents Christ. You're not representing Christ, you're representing him. And the person who's devout is, in fact, absorbing Christ and becoming with Christ at that communion. In that sense, Holy Thursday, is, it seems to me, it's sort of the pivotal point of preparing all of us for how we'll be after he has died and come back and gone to heaven. But that dinner and that tradition is the central leverage point that allows all of us to be a part of him. Yes, it's the first Mass. And he, by instituting the Eucharist in the Last Supper, he institutes the fact that he will always be present physically with us throughout time. He promised that he would not leave us alone, that he would not leave us orphans, that he was always going to be with us 
physically, and he does so through the Eucharist. And it's a beautiful reminder because, of course, he shows his humility. He shows that he has come to serve and not be served. He shows that he hasn't come like all of the king's power that is used to getting so many people to serve them. He has come to serve others. And it's a model for us to follow, of course. It's the model of the priesthood for us to truly be disciples of Jesus Christ, to always love one another, serve one another, be there for one another. But then we have to realize something extremely important as well. The fact that one of the most humble actions that Jesus does, if we think about the Eucharist itself, it's an extreme sign of God's humility. When he institutes the Eucharist on that Holy Thursday, he basically makes himself physically present for all of the history of the world until the end of time in a piece of bread and in wine. And that is deep humility in the fact that he's basically putting himself forever in our hands. Not only the priests who do the consecration, he had his first priest there, the apostles, but also the entire church, the entire world, because it's going to be then up to us if we're going to really revere him, love him, thank him for this great gift of the Eucharist, or are we going to ignore it and just basically not be interested in the fact that he comes and makes himself present in this bread and this wine, and then he is there in all the tabernacles of the world. It's an extremely powerful thing. It's just a sign of his humility. Before even passion begins, and we're talking about, you know, this is hours before everything begins, He's already showing how humble he is by instituting the Eucharist. I've never quite thought of it the way you just explained it, which is truly powerful and beautiful. But if I understand you, you're saying in the deepest sense that by the act of allowing us free choice, he's not imposing the Eucharist on us. He is offering us the opportunity to accept or not accept and in that sense has transferred the power of decision to us as mere mortals in a way that is not how we normally think of God's operating. Yes, it's up to us whether we're going to accept the graces. It's up to us whether we're going to have faith. And St. Alphonsus Lycoris says about the Eucharist, all it takes is one Eucharist filled with complete faith to make us into saints. And we have to be ourselves humble that we always need to pray for an increase in faith in the real presence of the Eucharist. But we want to want that in the first place. And it's a relationship with the Eucharist that makes us grow in that love for his presence in the Eucharist. And that's something that it's going to be ultimately our choice whether we're going to really take that serious, really believe his words, this is my body, and really see the gift that he is giving us, or if we're not. The major problem is the amount of people that perhaps don't care enough or want to believe enough about the Eucharist. If we all did, every church of the world would always be full, you know. We would never miss a Mass. It wouldn't even be something that we would even want as an option. The more we believe in the Eucharist, the more we will come to him, and then we're opening ourselves to him. 
and we come to the Eucharist to allow him to fill us with his grace. Well, and then it becomes very poignant because having established the Eucharist, having shared it with the apostles, they apparently, according to the gospel, sang together. So here's Christ singing with his disciples, and then they go to the Mount of Olives where he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I think that's really the moment when he comes to grips with the fact that the next few days are going to be truly terrible and that he has to somehow endure them in order to fulfill his mission. Yes, and let's also remember that, of course, it's unimaginable the pain that he goes through physically. Basically, from the moment he's arrested, they already start doing so many horrible things to him up to the moment of his death on the cross. And so his physical pain was something that we can't even imagine. But then we also have to remember the other part, which perhaps it was definitely more painful for him, which the fact that at that moment when his passion began in the agony of the garden, he takes on the sins of the world. He comes and he is crucified and he's taking on our sins, all of the sins of humanity. We have to remember that it's the humanity of everyone that had existed before that and will exist from that moment on. It's calculated, I believe, that there's been around 120 billion souls so far that have passed through Earth. And we don't know how many billions more are going to be left till the end of time. And if we all know the hurt that it comes when we make a mistake, when we sin, when we offend, when we harm others, and we know how much that hurts our heart, our conscience, our soul, only the Son of God could have carried the sins of the entire human race. So Jesus was physically burdened in such a way that we can't even imagine, but the spiritual pain and sorrow that he carried in his soul is something that only he could have done. And all that together is what his passion is. And it's something that only Jesus Christ himself would have endured. You make a point I'd never quite thought about the way you said it, which is when he descends into death, the greatest pain isn't physical. The greatest pain is all of the sins of the human race that he is taking with him. And that's what makes it so unimaginable that anyone other than God could have done this. Exactly. But there's something beautiful too, though. I actually read this in Father Michael Gately's book, Consoling the Heart of Jesus. It's a beautiful reminder, though, that in the same way that, of course, our sins affect him and give him sorrow at the moment of his passion, also our love and our devotion that we give him now is a consolation to him at the moment of his passion. And it sounds something that for someone that doesn't believe, almost like science fiction, how can what I'm doing now affect him 2,000 years ago? But we are talking about God here for all things are possible. And he already knew and loved us, even if we didn't exist yet. And we see that described in the novena that we begin on Good Friday and then end in the Divine Mercy, for Divine Mercy Sunday, the second Sunday of Easter. If we pay attention to the novena, which, of course, he basically 
words that he himself said to St. Faustina. I'm paraphrasing here, but he's like, today, I want you to bring me the devout. They consoled me during my passion. It was them that I was thinking of. Today, he says, I want you to bring me priests and religious. And it was them that gave me courage to continue. Another day, he says, today, I want you to bring me repentant sinners. It was for them that I did it. So what we do now, the way that we love him now, consoles him retroactively 2,000 years ago. It's a very powerful thing that it takes faith, but we know that this is the greatest pivotal point of our history of salvation. And it's extremely powerful, everything that will happen, including our own individual relationship with him in his passion. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. I'm always fascinated by the speed with which Christianity spread in that first 100 or 150 years and how it went all over the region. How did the early church experience Easter, and to what extent did they already understand that it was the highest holiday of the religion? Well, one of the greatest proofs of the resurrection is what happened in the early church, what happened to the apostles themselves. Let's not forget that the apostles were filled with fear, except for John. They all fled, and they were all hiding, and they didn't know what was next, and they hadn't really understood, and they thought that the whole thing had been a failure with the crucifixion. 
Jesus resurrects, rises from the dead, he appears to them and he comes to them where they are hiding. He comes to them throughout the Easter season and all of a sudden they are transformed. And of course, they receive the fullness of understanding of what had just happened on Pentecost after his ascension. But with Easter, when they saw the risen Christ, they knew that this was the greatest thing that has ever happened and will ever happen in humanity, in our relationship with God. And so their change of attitude and their change of faith, basically from Good Friday to Easter Sunday, is one of the greatest signs of the resurrection. And it's a fact that then, of course, after they went to all of the corners of the world, they were coming with this message that was, of course, going to affect people because when we hear truth, we can recognize it. And when we see someone passionate about something as big as this, of course, it's going to attract others to what's happening to this person. Something had to have happened for that person to be so on fire with the faith. And of course, it was the resurrected Jesus Christ that conquered death and sin. And therefore, Christianity spread all over. And let's not forget here that they all lost their lives. They were all martyred for this. They had nothing to gain. They actually had to leave their homes. They had to leave their comforts. They had to go to distant countries and distant lands where they were persecuted and imprisoned and so many things that happened to them to spread the gospel. It was definitely not something that they would live in any way for their own personal gain. This was something that they were doing because they had to spread the good news wherever they went. Of course, we celebrate the entire life of Christ, beginning with his birth throughout his ministry. But nothing makes sense without Easter Sunday. If Good Friday would have been the end of the story, we wouldn't be here talking about Jesus right now. Easter Sunday is when everything came together. It's also exciting that we all have a part to do in spreading the good news of Easter. In a sense, that is what Christ is asking of us. And it's part of why I was so glad to have you take some time out in this extraordinarily busy week because I wanted to literally share the good news and remind people that Easter is about vastly more than Easter eggs and chocolate bunnies and what have you. It's sort of the pivotal moment of human history. It is. And someone can say, well, it's not like now it's all good news and now it's all a world of just light and peace and joy. It's not. We know that in this world because we also remember that Good Friday and Easter Sunday are always going to be linked together. But when we go through the Good Fridays in life, whether it be globally, like when we see the tragedies of war or when we go through our own individual sufferings, Easter always reminds us that the end is never Good Friday, that everything gets fulfilled with Easter Sunday, and they will always be together. So one other thing that I think is fascinating, and that is that Good Friday is a solemn celebration, but not a Mass. Why is that? How did that tradition emerge? It's the only day of the year where there isn't a Mass, because it's a reminder that that day he's dying on the cross 
and then he's in the tomb. So we don't celebrate the Mass because basically we are commemorating the fact that he has died for us, that he is in the tomb. And so that is why the church is in silence, in darkness, because it's a time in which he is in the tomb until, of course, the Easter season officially begins the Easter vigil during the Gloria. Plus, of course, we were in Rome for three and a half years while she was the ambassador to the Vatican. And we have visited Jerusalem a number of times and other parts of the Holy Land. I think that the degree to which you are uplifted and sort of amazed and the reality is driven home, if you can spend a week or two weeks in the Holy Land, is just astonishing to walk where Christ walked, to see literally the places where he preached, and then to see where he went from the trial to the crucifixion and then to the empty tomb. Have you had sort of the same experience that when you're actually there, that it's almost overwhelming? It is. It's the most powerful place. People always say it does change the Gospels in the sense that you finally really understand them. And it's true. And you see the reality of all this. You see the Sea of Galilee where he walked on water, where he preached around the villages, around the lake. You see where he was born in Bethlehem. You see where everything happened. And the power there, it's unexplainable with words that you feel in your heart when you are in these extremely powerful places where all of the history of salvation happened. And it's definitely should be priority for all of us to visit the Holy Land. And even if we can't travel at this point, remember that we have to take advantage of, you know, now that we have, for example, so many ways to see this in different channels, we can take tours of the Holy Land. Even that's worth it because we see it. And that in itself is a good way to really learn about how all the different aspects of Christ's life is celebrated there. Yeah, and it really brings it to life. And suddenly you realize, you know, that this extraordinary miracle, this person came to earth, walked among us as a normal everyday person, and ultimately took upon himself all of the sins of the human race. It's remarkable. You know, I do want to say, Father Silva, I want to thank you. I realize, given the scale of the church that you are the rector of, the number of things you'll be doing this week, it is extraordinarily generous of you to spend some time talking with us this morning. And I urge all of our listeners, when you are in New York, it's one of the most amazing places to go to St. Patrick and to see it. It's one of the great landmarks in American history, one of the great centers of worship, and just wonderful that as the rector, you would spend this kind of time with us. And I thank you, and I wish you a really happy Easter Sunday. You too. Many blessings to you and Calista and to your whole family. Many blessings to all your viewers. And may this be truly a time of joy, of new life, especially that in this time of darkness that we are facing in the world, that we may always be a part of God's light. So many blessings to you and thank you for this opportunity. Thank you to my guest, Father Enrique Salvo. You can read more about the meaning and history of Easter on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our producer is Rebecca Howell, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show 
was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying News World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity and Craftsman Truck Series Racing live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network.